Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about the effed up life of an ex-Mormon gay girl. Did you just say effed? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep it somewhat clean okay. for the kids. I don't, I don't know. All you kids out there listening to Latter-day Lesbian, <laughs> yeah. we're going to try to keep it cleaner, but not really. I mean, I do. I... So I, should, I can have a potty mouth sometimes, I think. Should I, I should have just gone ahead and dropped the F-bomb. I don't care. Whatever you want to do. You know what? That's an entire podcast about swearing, by the way. Is it? And my first experience of real public swearing. <laughs> public swearing? Public swearing <laughs> at a CrossFit gym and having it not even phase people. It was amazing. It was an amazing experience. My first, like, new group of friends. Um, and I could say... I could say... The F word? The F word. And all you listeners are like, oh my gosh, seriously, that's so stupid. But it was a big deal to me. But, well, you know, well, let's put that on, on another podcast. Okay. okay. We'll just call it the what? The profanity podcast? Sure, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, I'm Mary. I'm Shelly. Uh, okay, so we... <laughs> do we say that <laughs> I think we introduce first? ourselves. Yeah, yeah. Except for the one time when you forgot. And I was like, are you going to introduce us? And then you, you did it after. Well, but you wouldn't know that in the edit. I put it in the beginning. Oh. And the folks at home didn't know that. Because oh. that's, that's the trickery of editing. Oh, you're doing great, then. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah, that's why we can't put out more than one a week. We're going to try, though. Really? You, you're going to try? It's, are you editing these? Um, maybe, maybe we can get better in our, our rough cuts, like our first cuts. Maybe that, we won't suck so much? Yes. <laughs> Is that what you're trying to say? Uh-huh. Maybe I won't stammer as much. Maybe I won't say the same thing over and over again. Maybe I won't say, um. Mm. Well, you know, it's a goal. Okay. Every, it's, goals are good to have. Mm. But that is one of the major feedbacks we've been receiving is people want more. Can and you, you know, please do two a week? <laughs> I want to give it to them. Oh, of course you do. You're a people pleaser. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's true. The old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do the best we can. Okay. And if that means some weeks we're able to sneak in another podcast, then that's great. It'll be okay. a little bonus. All right. A little gift from us to you. <laughs> <laughs> but we can't guarantee that. Okay. I won't, I'll stop promising everyone. Everyone I promised, like, we're just, we're trying really hard. You promised people? No, I didn't. Did you promise I did, people? I, never, I didn't use the P word. I didn't. <laughs> What'd you say? I said we're considering two a week in well, the we new are. year. That is we not, are. That's not a lie. We not lie to the listeners. That's not a guarantee, though. I know. I know. <laughs> but that's great news that people would like to hear more. Yeah, it makes me feel like love. It's not ju- love. It does. I do have issues. No, it makes me feel like it's not just we're not just of, talking into open space. Yeah, it's not just people care. Right. No. That is nice. That's a nice feeling. It is. Yeah. And and also audience um it does feel really good when you guys give comments and feedback. I feel it makes me feel like I am not wasting my time telling my story and makes us feel like 
people are listening and that we're helping people. Uh, I don't know. It feels good. So thanks. Thanks to everyone who even, even the smallest, like, Hey, liked your episode or whatever, or, you know, you were all over the place, but I, I enjoyed it anyway. Even, even criticism is, you know, we know that you're listening and, and we love that. So thank you for that. Speaking of listener feedback, uh, I wanted to mention a listener who has written in a few times, Kat, who is going through something really similar to what you went through probably about a year and a half ago now uh, in her marriage. She's mm-hmm. Mormon, and she's discovering that she has feelings for women, or maybe she always has. Uh, it's just become now an issue in her marriage where she has come clean to her husband. She's come forward with her feelings for women, and he thinks she's bisexual. Maybe she is. She doesn't really know. Like, she's figuring it out. And I think his solution is, well, you know, you're bisexual. Let's keep the marriage together. We have kids, the whole nine yards, and um, let's just make this work. And I, I think she's at this weird crossroads where she doesn't really know what she wants to do yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think this story, your story has been really meaningful to her because it's like mirroring her life, essentially. Yeah, I think so. It's It's been actually pretty shocking to me how many people can relate to what I've been through. Like, I, n- I never would have known that. But I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about. There's still the stigma of being gay. It's probably m- more prevalent if you're in the Mormon world, and so it's not something that you really announce to people. It's not something that you, if you're Mormon, if you're practicing Mormon and you're having these feelings, you really don't have people to talk to about it. Because when you're Mormon, basically most of your friends are Mormon, and that's not something you're going to open up about. Right. Yeah. So open up to us. Well, you're taking that first leap, baby. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's good. For better or worse. Yeah. Look at you just putting your story out there. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of stories, we mm-hmm. wanted to talk about the coming out story part two today. Right. Talking to your husband, right? Yes. My soon-to-be ex-husband. We're separated. Um, divorce should be going through in the new year. Thankfully, Here's he hoping. And, here's hoping. Um, thankfully, <laughs> he and I have a good relationship. Yeah. You know, of course, during the initial breakup, it was ugly, but that's that's divorce. People are asking me, well, how did Brent take it? And in order for me to really explain how we took it, I kind of need to go back. Sure, go back. Quite a bit. Take us back, Set the stage. We're going to go back now. So if you are Mormon, raised Mormon, your job as a woman is to keep yourself clean and pure and worthy to go to the temple and be married to a returned missionary who has also kept himself clean and pure. And by clean and pure, you know, Mary's shaking her head like, what does that even mean? No, I'm just thinking about all this temple stuff. Well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, clean and pure means you are sexually pure. So much of your worth as a human being in Mormondom is your sexual purity. And I was taught that from the time I can remember, especially when you turn 12. Actually, they've now lowered that to age 11, which kind of freaks me out. And Mm. I feel bad for these 11-year-old kids that are Mormons now who will be subjected to these horrible worthiness interviews about, do you masturbate? Um, Have you had sex? It's just, it's all all wrong and gross and bad. And that's yet another podcast. Another podcast, yes. Uh, Anyway, so from the time I was 12... And even earlier, it was hammered into my head that my job was to remain sexually pure for my husband, which meant obviously no intercourse, 
no masturbation. Yikes. Uh, I know. No. Don't even think the thoughts. Don't even think the thoughts. <laughs> they can figure that out. I think they can like tap into your brain and like, are you thinking those sexual thoughts? Right. Ugh, That's God. next. I'm going to put like little nodules or something. I on know. We need to do an entire podcast about those weird worthiness, worthiness interviews. interviews where it's your bishop who is some old guy and you, a girl or you, a boy, alone in a room with a closed door. And he is asking you worthiness questions, which a lot of them, especially in your teenage years, circle around sexual purity. Well, they're really drilling that shame into you at a young age. Oh, yeah. Because, come on, what kid hasn't had some sort of sexual thoughts from the time they're 12 to 18? If you act on them in any sort of way. Yeah. I mean, masturbation, big, big no-no. You are not sexually pure. You're not worthy for temple attendance. Also, like, (laughs) there's this term they call it Levi Lovin', which is, you know, I don't want to say sex with your clothes on because you're not actually having sex. Humping. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> That's I don't, what it, it is. Oof, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> okay, so much for keeping it clean for the kids. Sorry, kids, turn it off. <laughs> but the question would be raised like, have you engaged in heavy petting? Which That's means the like, worst it's expression. Horrible. It's horrible. So heavy petting. <laughs> what are we in like the 40s? Oh, God, That's the worst expression. Oh, flashbacks. Okay. <laughs> Heavy petting means, like, touching someone. I think someone. most people know what heavy petting is. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. Touching someone <laughs> on the outside of their clothes. That's heavy petting? Yeah. Outside of your clothes? Would... Well, then what's if, like, if your shirts are off and stuff? Uh, well, I mean, that's if also heavy petting, but but what I'm saying is even outside <laughs> of the clothes. light clo- petting? <laughs> oh, Mary. <laughs> oh, Mary, Mary, Mary. Wow. My point is that even petting on the outside of the clothes was considered sinful. I never want to hear this word again. Petting, petting. Stop. Okay. Um, but this is the, the the horrific part, is if you say that, yes, I've been involved in he- heavy petting, the question then comes, did you orgasm? Oh, God. Which is such a horrible thing to have an old dude ask you when you're sitting in a room by yourself because I know that a lot of people lied to their bishops uh, and I did too for a long long time um, until I was of the age where I know that I was needing to get married in the temple so I had to kind of fess up why how would they have known well I I always had the guilt like I figured Mm. if I was lying they would know God would know oh my gosh and somehow my temple ordinances wouldn't count and then I'm making a mockery of the temple and temple then God hates ordinances. me. Okay, we have to table all this stuff. Okay. We're getting really sidetracked. Sorry. We'll go into that later. <laughs> oh my God, there's so much there. I know, I know. Just just be patient, okay, so, listeners. But back to the point, the whole like feeling like you needed to be clean and pure Sexually or pure, yes. Okay, for your husband. Yes. And How'd that go? Um, well, I had, growing up, I had a lot of daddy issues and I needed to feel loved and accepted and I tried to find this with guys. And so by the time I was of marrying age, I was no longer a virgin. You were looking for love in all the wrong places. (laughs) Believe me, all the wrong places. And so when Brent and I were going to get married... He was actually a virgin. He did the right things. He followed the rules. He kept himself clean and pure. And so as we began our time as being a married couple, I already felt shame that I couldn't give him this virgin bride that he had earned, you know, because he had kept, kept himself clean and he had served a mission. And actually on your missions, a lot of the jokes are like, the more people you convert, the prettier your wife will be. What? You know, it's like, it's this, men, go serve this mission, and when you get home... Because when you're on your mission, by the way, I, you probably know this, but you don't date. Like, there's no anything when you're on your mission. You are just purely serving the Lord, in quotations. 
And so these guys are told, be obedient and valiant on your mission. And when you go home, get married soon and start having babies. And, and you know, then you get to have sex, basically. And so... It's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. And that, you know, and that's really problematic because also I never really had talks about sex with my parents. I remember when my mom... Really? Uh, Shocker. Well, here, here's the one talk <laughs> that I had with my parents was I was 17. I mean, I had already had sex at this point. Did they know that? No, 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 no. But my mom called me into her room and she's like, we need to talk about something. All right. So she starts telling me some like crazy shit about, you know, tadpoles and eggs and yeah, like that thing. And I knew what (laughs) she was talking about, but I'm like, oh my God, mom, this would have been helpful years ago, but thanks for trying. And I remember when my dad came in the room a little later, my mom was so proud of herself, like, Shelly and I just had a really important conversation. We had the tadpole and egg the talk. The tadpole and egg talk, yeah. So thanks for the tadpole egg Tadpoles talk. Tadpoles are supposed to be sperm? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Um, so aside from that, I didn't discuss sex with anyone. Well, why would you? That was probably the worst conversation of your entire life. I don't, I don't think I even said anything. I just sat there like, oh my God, this is humiliating. Mom, you're you just, you're saying tadpoles? Come on, I'm almost an adult. At least she didn't say tadpole has to get to the lily pad. That would have been worse. Oh God, maybe she did. No, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so there was no talking about it. When, when Brent and I got married, we didn't have any talks about our sex life before then. Um, Brent was the first return missionary that I dated that wasn't just kind of a gropey, sexually charged guy. I had dated, I think, two return missionaries before him. And this is so, so I got to school at BYU and that was when I decided I needed to straighten up and be whatever, good Mormon. You can't get your virginity back, shall you? can't. Nope, nope. I left it somewhere along the road. (laughs) (laughs) And so I dated a couple of guys and they were very horny, I guess. They all were handsy. They, uh, you know, they were gropey and they wanted to touch me, heavy petting. (laughs) And it kind of blew my mind because I was raised to think that return missionaries would be uh, these stand up guys, you know, and they would be clean and respectful and they weren't. And it kind of confused me. And so when I started dating Brent, he was the first return missionary that wasn't like that. He was respectful of me sexually. But having said that, entering into this marriage, I was already going in there feeling less than him. Right. Feeling dirty, feeling like I was just lucky that a return missionary of his caliber would pay me any attention after I kind of told him that I wasn't a virgin. Mm. And, you know, props to Brent. He didn't dump me when he found out about it, but he was ashamed. He was ashamed that I wasn't a virgin. Yeah. And I'm not mad at him for that because that was his upbringing. Mm -hmm. He was told that he deserved a a clean virginal woman. And I remember comments he made like he didn't want his mom to know that I wasn't a virgin or that I had really had any kind of significant boyfriend before him. He was, he was ashamed Mm. and that didn't feel good to me. No. And again, I'm not mad at him about it. That was his experience. I wasn't the only one screwed up by Mormonism. He was as well, because sure. his expectation of what I needed to be wasn't what I was. And he, he couldn't just accept you as you were. He couldn't. He reacted in a way that he did because of his upbringing. Mm-hmm. And so I felt very much beneath him. Mm. And what a great way to start a marriage. Yeah, it's not good. Not good at all. And so going into the sexual phase of our marriage, he was concerned because I had been with other men. Did he feel like you were co- going to compare him to others or For something? sure, for sure. And I, I would imagine there were some insecurities there. And anyone who has insecurities knows that it's a hard thing to deal with. And mm-hmm. sometimes insecurities can bring out the ugliness mm-hmm. in you. And because of me feeling so much less than, 
and his upbringing, we basically struggled with our sex life the entire marriage. Yeah. Again, because we'd never talked about it. Right. Probably be- because I'm gay. Not sure if you listeners are aware of that <laughs> huh. at this point. If you're just tuning in. <laughs> if you're just tuning in, a Latter-day lesbian means I'm gay. <laughs> <laughs> and in his mind, and, and in my mind as well, when you're married, because I had, listen, I had had sex before, but I had never had guilt-free sex. I felt so guilty because I shouldn't be doing this thing. And so I looked forward to the time when I could have guilt-free sex after being married in the temple. And so thinking it would be fantastic. And then it wasn't mm. because of all of the issues that we faced being raised Mormon yeah. and having to go at this sexual part of our marriage, just being so screwed up right. didn't help at all. You know, I thought it would be amazing and it wasn't. And I thought I would want it and I didn't. And not recognizing my gayness at the time, a lot of the conversation was, and the way that I felt as well, and the way that it was talked about, not necessarily about our particular relationship, but others in general, is that because I hadn't kept myself clean, that was why I didn't want to have sex. Oof. That was why we struggled. That was why... Ouch. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. It, it, it was always my fault because I wasn't clean. I wasn't pure. I wasn't a virgin. Any sexual dysfunction we've had was because of me. And, and I guess that, therapy was never going to be an option for you guys. Oh, God, no. Well, and I don't think going to a Mormon therapist would have helped. Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? I know there's some good Mormon sex therapists out there. But, I mean, we didn't think to go because it was just my fault. Like, I had screwed up. I well, should have. Well, then you can't ever make amends for that. You can't go back in time. No. What are you supposed to do? Well, I don't know. And feeling like that didn't make me feel closer to him, of course. Sure. It didn't make me want to have more sex, of course. And so then that would spiral into him feeling unloved and him feeling like I didn't want him. And then that would come back to, well, I should have been a virgin. I would have wanted to have more sex had I not had so much sex before I was married. I don't think it works that way. I don't think so either, but I did <laughs> then. And that's what I was told. Wow. And um, it, it didn't feel good. It didn't help our relationship right. at all. Right. And I, I'm laying that all out for you because I just kind of wanted people to understand that it wasn't just the gayness that caused the problems in the marriage. You it was had some difficulties. Th- for sure. Yeah. For sure. And so there was always a fight there. Going forward to coming out to him. When I've come out of the closet to people, they're kind of, sometimes they're kind of confused, like, well, how can you be gay? I mean, you were married for 21 years. You have seven kids. Right. You don't have to be straight, by the way, to make babies. You don't. It's just it's true. a I, physical I, yeah. thing. I know other gay people that have made babies. Yeah. But it can be confusing to people like, well, you must have really liked sex. Look how many kids you have. <laughs> False. <laughs> anyway, so not surprisingly, when I came out to Brent, he was a little confused and his response was, well, you must be bisexual. Sure. I wondered that when we first met. Tell me about that. What did you think? Like, I'm married, I have seven kids, but I'm gay. Well, if someone's in a, in a marriage for 21 years and then, you know, dating someone for a couple of years before that, you kind of think, well, what's going on? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, you think that they're an equal opportunity employer for men and women because it's mm-hmm. a long time to be in a heterosexual relationship if that's not for you, you know? But I'm the type of person also that kind of figures out what's wrong and works to change it pretty quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I'm the, it's just my personality. I see. And that brings up something, trying to fix it. So Brent's way of trying to fix it was like, well, if we would spend more time together, you would want to have sex with me. Because he thought of sex, and I think he's correct on this, by the way, is that when you love someone and you're with someone, you're married to someone and you spend time together, sex is a natural progression of these feelings. Yeah. You, you go on a date, you hold hands, you kiss, you have a great time together, you go home. 
there's private time and that just becomes sex because you love each other. And I never felt that. I never got to that point. You know, I would have fun with him. Yeah. We'd go to a movie or whatever and have decent conversation, go out to eat. But once it came to sex, it was like this block. This is why I'm an advocate for sex before marriage. Because if you don't know if that sexual chemistry is there before you get into this contract agreement with someone that, that lasts years, that's messed up. I mean, you, you know, you guys were not sexually compatible, clearly. Right. And you could have figured that out in the beginning and saved potentially a lot of heartache down the road. I agree. I think you're absolutely right. But that in the Mormon world doesn't fly. Because in the Mormon world, you get married in the temple, you're following God's commandments, everything's going to be good. Every, it, yeah, it doesn't. There's it no doesn't. magic wand. There isn't. And I actually know of quite a few married Mormon couples, straight married Mormon couples who are miserable sexually. Mm-hmm. Miserable. Yeah, because it turns out they weren't compatible. Right, right. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to Golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo taking release. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to Golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's G-O-L-O.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who have found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. So I felt bad because Brent wanted this loving sexual relationship with me and I tried and I tried and I tried to give it and I couldn't. Yeah, it just wasn't in you. Yeah, and the more we had sex and I didn't really want to, and he he never forced it on me. You don't get the wrong idea, audience. He wasn't like that. But I would have sex with him because I'm supposed to have sex with him. And if I have sex with him, then these feelings will flow and everything will become great. Right. And so I did this and I just would feel empty mm. and like a whore. Oh, man. And that's not a good feeling to have in a marriage. No. And I eventually told him about that and he felt horrible that he had made me feel that way. He never intended to make me feel that way. But that's how you feel when you have sex and you don't want to. Yeah. You end up feeling like a whore. When right. you feel like When you have sex because you feel like you're supposed to and you don't want to. You feel like a whore. And obviously that didn't help the marriage any. If it's any consolation, I was in a relationship with someone who ended up being straight. And I think she probably felt like a whore too. Oof. You know, we're friends now. It's all fine. But Have you ever asked her? Um, we No, we haven't really followed up lately hmm. about that sort of thing. Do you want to have her on the show? <laughs> <laughs> Not really. No? All right. All the exes, line them up. We're going to talk about no, But yeah, I mean, I think when you are in a situation sexually where you just don't want to be and you feel like obligated, then yeah, ultimately that's probably the feeling you're going to have. Yeah. So it's not just heterosexual people or mismatched gay people. Well, I guess it was because she was not gay. Just thinking mismatch. That was a mismatch. Mm -hmm. She thought she was and then turns out she really wasn't. Yeah. So there you go. Similar situation. Right. So more to Brent being told that I was gay. Me telling him. We get sidetracked so I easily. Know. Well, there's so many things. I, I feel like I can't just say... We have ADD, Shelley. Uh, it's correct. <laughs> Both of us. I know. But I think 
background matters because I think if I just said, well, I told Brent this and he responded with this, I don't know if people would quite get it. So if I'm backing up years and years and years, just be patient. We'll, we'll, it'll all make sense eventually. Yeah. So Brent... Hopefully. Hopefully. Brent was suspicious of my sexuality for a couple of years because I had made a couple of friends who were girls. Women. Women. <laughs> who I just, I wanted to be around them all the time. I would cancel a, a, an evening with Brent to go be with one of these ladies. Ladies. I'm just going to say girls. I don't know. That's what I'm used to. Okay. Women. Whatever. How They're, old are they? 12. Well, my age. <laughs> Gosh, 40s. Okay, so that's a woman. Yeah, and uh-huh. so, and I would be texting with them all the time and on the phone all the time. Like, I just, I couldn't get enough. I wanted to be around their energy. I wanted to do everything with them. And the more that was happening, the less energy I was spending trying to cultivate this relationship with my husband. And this is like 18, 19 years into the marriage at this point. Yeah, that couldn't have felt good. No, of course not. Of when course you didn't pick feel good. the friends over your husband, essentially, right? Yeah, because there was something about that female energy that I had to be around. It was, it was intoxicating to me. It was, I wanted to know everything they had to say. I wanted to tell them everything about my life. I wanted to sit right next to them. Um, I wanted to go do everything in the world with them. You wanted to put your foot on their leg, didn't you? Sure. Why not? I wanted to hug them. I wanted them to hug me. Nothing ever crossed a sexual boundary. There was no, no sexual lines crossed there. But for sure, I would say... No Levi loving? No Levi loving with the girls. <laughs> That's the worst expression. It's horrible. I for sure crossed emotional lines, though. Like, I, they, they became the people that I would go to with my problems and my issues, and I wanted to share with them. And it became less and less that I shared with Brent. And of course, that made him feel like shit. Sure, of course. It was just this big combination of not an easy marriage to begin with because of so many Mormon factors and personality factors. And then suddenly I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to be around these girls. And Brent started to wonder like, what's going on? Yeah, I would too. And there was a day we were sitting in a car. We had just, this is Brent and I, we were sitting in a car. We had just finished running around Burke Lake Park. That's in Virginia, which is where we live, by the way. And I think he just flat out asked me like, are you attracted to women. And I said, yeah, I think I am. Wow. And I cried because it was like tipping over this first domino. Sure. Not knowing where everything's going to land, not knowing what's going to happen. And he was kind about it. He said, well, yeah, you know, I I thought so. Oh, okay. Um, So he was kind about it. But then going forward, he was, I guess, more more suspicious of me being with these girls and so he didn't want me to go out with them. And so then I was angry, like, I can't have guy friends, I can't have girlfriends. Mm-hmm. And so it for sure caused a lot of problems in the marriage because I was struggling with needing to emotionally connect with someone. And I was emotionally connecting with these girls and recognizing that as something I had never had with him. Right. There was never the emotional connection. That thing that you want in a relationship that you connect sexually or whatever it is, I I just didn't have that. I'd never had that. And now that I was feeling those feelings, I was like, shit, what is this thing out there, this connection I'm having that I don't have in my marriage? Sure. So how did that resolve? So he... He knows you want to hang out with these women, and there's something a little more to it for you, at least. Um, I mean, is that kind of what prompted you to finally, like, I don't know, come clean about, I think I'm gay? Yeah, and I was very honest with him about the feelings I was having. And his response was, you know, well, you must be bisexual. Mm -hmm. Because in his mind, just like everyone else's, well, we've had sex, and you you seem to like it fine, and... (sighs) 
And I would love... Didn't he know there was a connection missing? He knew... He must have figured that out. He did because I told him. Okay. He felt a connection on his end, but I don't really understand that because I don't know how you connect with someone if they aren't connecting with you at the same time. But again, he's coming from a place of having never had sex with anyone else. Wow. And so what he's feeling with me, he's thinking that's what it is. Yeah. Plus, you probably faked it a little bit. Like, you wanted him to think you were connecting. Sure. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. I mean, I don't... I never want to hurt anyone. I didn't want him to... Although I did hurt him because when I was being painfully honest and saying, I don't enjoy this with you, I don't connect with you in this way, I'm sure it hurt him. Of course it did. Um, I didn't know what else to do except yeah. be painfully honest because I told him, I, you know, I have this this desire, this yearning for for women. And he mentioned, well, you know, does it, you, you want to kiss one? I'm like, well, yeah, I would love to see what it feels like to kiss a woman. And he said, well, I, I would be fine with that if, if I could be there. Okay. <laughs> he awkward. Wasn't, I know, awkward. He wasn't <laughs> saying this in like a, hey, let's have a threesome sort of way. Because um, he's not a threesome guy at all. He's very... But he wanted to just sort of witness this, maybe? Yeah, I think maybe maybe it was just... Fly on the wall? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't be, know. I'll be in the back of the bar and just kind of like, you guys can have Maybe. this other table. <laughs> I don't know. But that wasn't what I had oh. envisioned because I think that he didn't understand. And I think he does now. Um, but again, I would love men to give me your feedback on this. I don't think he understood that me wanting to be with women was actually not sexual at all. It was an energy connection. And so his view was, well, if you just go kiss these women or make out whatever, then you'll get that out of your system right. and then you'll want to be back with me. Right. And maybe, really, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think maybe men function that way, maybe, because that's what he think thought that I needed. I mean, I don't know. I think that there are definitely some guys that are more physically or sexually driven mm -hmm. where they do just want to have these other sexual encounters and they don't necessarily mean anything. Mm -hmm. That That is a thing. Mm -hmm. Not everybody. But that, that can happen, mm -hmm. and maybe he thought that would be the case with you. I'd love, love to hear any uh, any male, if we have any, any male viewers left out there. Listeners. <laughs> listeners. If we have any male <laughs> listeners left, you know, yeah. Ask. If we have any male <laughs> listeners left, that's funny. Uh, yeah, fill us in on how that out. is. Yeah, they're, all, they're like, those damn lesbians, those man haters. <laughs> we don't hate men. We don't, not at all. We just don't want to, you know, get with them. Yeah, basically. So we had a lot of conversations about this and... Him sort of being part of it, sort of. Yeah, and I was never okay with that. And he would get upset because he just, he wanted to be a part of everything. And I, and at this point I, I was just, I was so emotionally kind of cut off from him at that point. I was just mixed up. I was just going through so many things. There was one incident that I want to talk about where I was trying to decide what am I going to do with this, these feelings that I'm having. And I know Mary had asked me before, like, well, why didn't, why didn't you leave? Why didn't you end it? Right. I mean, this has been sure. a few years ago that this was all happening. And I was so scared Yeah. because my entire life had built up to getting married in the temple to a man and following God's plan for me and having babies. And I had been doing this and well, plus you didn't have a college degree. Yeah, you didn't have degree. work experience. Right. Nothing yeah, to fall what back supposed on. To do? Um, just totally unprepared for life mm -hmm. and scared to death. Uh, he and I were married for 21 years. There was still a bond there of marriage. Sure. You know, like that. I was just so used to that being the Well, you the guys are good friends were. too. That, yeah, that didn't we change. still are. Right. And so that was, it was a scary thing to think of maybe not having that. And I wasn't ready to face it's that yet. a big yet. change. A huge change. And so when he would feel very insecure and mad at me because I had gone out with friends or whatever the case was. And he, we would argue and he would say, you know, just be honest with me. Do you love me? Do you want this? Do you want me? Yeah. And my heart's saying like, oh my God, just, just, just be honest. Him. And I, I couldn't cause I 
didn't want to hurt him, and I was so scared. Right. And I would tell myself in my head, I can do this. I can stay married. I can be a good wife. I can do everything he needs me to do. And so I would say, of course, of course I want it. And at the time, I I didn't feel like I was lying because I was in my mind making these boxes I needed to check to be a good wife. And I was going to do these things, and I just was going to live out this mediocre life. And that was what I needed to do. And so we would go round and round of him feeling like, okay, this is going to be fine. And then I would do the things, like I would tell myself when he came home from work, I would say, go hug him. And so I would go hug him and ask him about his day. I would ask him about his day. Like, they just these things weren't coming naturally to me. I just wow. was so emotionally disconnected by then. And I would check the boxes, but Brent is a very feeling person. He's very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And even though I was checking the boxes, he... He could tell. He could tell that I was checking boxes. He could tell that I was disconnected and it angered him. And it, well, it hurt him. Sure. It hurt him and that would come out in the form of anger. Mm-hmm. And we would fight constantly. And I, I get it. I get why. Yeah. He's like, why is my wife not connecting with me? And then I would get angry because he would say, you don't even want me. And I would say, yeah, but well, that's not true. I... But he was right. He was. But I didn't want to admit that because I would, I would get mad because in my mind, I had checked the boxes and he wasn't recognizing it. Yeah. Like you felt like you were trying and working at it. I'm like, well, we just went to the movies last night and we had a good conversation. And remember I I made one of your favorite dinners and remember, like I'm coming up with all these tangible things that I had done to prove that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be with him, but he wasn't feeling any of it because I wasn't giving the emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we just fought about that and fought about that. And one night I had gone out with friends and I had come home and just so like, God, what am I going to do? And he was already asleep in bed, and I walked up and I stood next to him, and I remember he like one of his legs was was on top of the covers, and he had his shirt off, and he was in underwear, and I was just staring at him and trying to feel something, because mm. he has a nice body, like he crossfits, he's good looking, you know, and I'm staring at his body and like pleading within myself to feel something wow. so that I can fix this mess, mm. and I stood there for probably a creepy five minutes just staring at him <laughs> and trying crying so hard and it was just empty ouch and did, did uh, he ever know that i think i told him about it oh, another time God. i know <sighs> honesty right so i stared at him and then i went into the bathroom and i sat on the floor and i just cried mm. i cried and i cried because i had made up my mind that i was going to stay in the marriage yeah and check the boxes and I knew that I was never going to be fulfilled. I was never going to be connected. And I was just going to live this mediocre life Mm, and kind of just trudge through and and get to the end of it. And it was such a sad moment. It was horrible. Yeah, That is really sad. Yeah. I'm sorry. Clearly it didn't end up that way because we're divorcing. Um, (laughs) No, it didn't. No. And so I, I tried. We kept trying. Yeah. But the more we tried, the more we fought, the more I wanted to be around my friends who were girls, the more I needed that energy, the the less I wanted to be around him because of all the fighting. And I mean, I guess I could, should say, thankfully, it got so bad and it blew up so huge that we decided to separate. Right. Not that anyone enjoys that final fight because it's always really and horrible. Something had to happen. Something had to happen. It's like a breaking point for you. Yes. For yes. you guys. And I just was so angry and hurt. And I left for a couple of days and um, I came back and we sat down and talked and he said, I think we should separate. Yeah. And I was so relieved that he said that because I don't know if I would have ever had the guts to actually be the one to pull that trigger because well, it was so scary. Yeah. I wasn't prepared to be alone. I wasn't 
But when he said it, were you kind of like, yeah, finally, someone had the courage to say what needed to happen? Yeah, it was it was a mix. It was a mix of relief that he said it, so I didn't have to. But also, there was extreme sorrow there, too. I mean, this is seven kids and a 21-year marriage. How long had it been building up until that final straw that broke the camera? It was probably a good two years, but got progressively worse. And then the final six months was pretty miserable. We kind of got to the point of no no return. I couldn't give him what he needed. Mm -hmm. He couldn't give me what I needed. And you were just fighting all the time. We were fighting all the time, and it just had to end. And when he said, let's separate, I didn't realize this until later. In his mind, I was going to go and kind of sow my wild oats and figure out my sexuality and then come back to him. Sure. And that was not in my mind. In my Mm -hmm. mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to live my life. Right. I'm going to be me. I'm going to figure out who, who I am, yeah, actually. Yeah, And I'm going to date women, and I'm going to do what I felt like I needed to do. I think you were probably thinking you would maybe date a few women or something, or try it out. Sure. You know, I wasn't actually opposed to dating men or women at the time, because I just didn't know. Uh-huh. I didn't know. But at the same time, I was not really attracted to men mm-hmm. anymore. Um, I mean, there were some man friends that I had an emotional bond with that were attractive to me. But just like your man you've never met before, there he is. No, not attracted. But women, yeah. So I was going to go down that road for sure and see what that was. And I was going to play the field and I, I was going to see what it was like. And, mm-hmm. you know, my friends joke, I was I was single for like 24 hours <laughs> Until I met Mary. Uh, That's all she wrote. That's all she wrote. Single no more. Um, Sorry to be so awesome. I know, right? You're amazing. (laughs) Whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's basically how you came out to your ex. There's more to come, though, because there's talking. Eddie wanted to say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Eddie. We have a story about Eddie in a minute. It's true. (laughs) But there's more to come because there's coming out to your parents, which Mm -hmm. is a whole thing. I mean, friends. God, what a mess. Yeah, and I think I think one thing to note, it was sort of easier to come out a little bit because you got involved in non-Mormon activities. Absolutely. You left the church. Yes. And that had to be a huge part of it, leaving yes. the church. Because otherwise, how would you have been able to make sense of it in your brain, being around all those judgmental Mormons all the time? That and horrible. I think at this point, there's only one like still practicing Mormon besides my family that I have told I'm gay. It's just something that's still a little awkward. I don't know why. I don't have a lot of Mormon friends anymore, active, yeah. active Mormon friends. Well, they don't like the gay people, right? Yeah, Generally? That's a stereotype, but yes. Yes and no. There are there are absolutely Mormons who are accepting, that's who cool. think that the Mormon church is kind of getting it wrong when it oh, comes okay. to the, the wicked gays. But there's also the Mormons who are preaching, you know, protect your children from the gays who are trying to recruit. So... There right, you go. Right. And the and the leaders of the Mormon church absolutely think that being gay is a sin and that you should be getting therapy for it. Yeah, and we're going to have somebody on the show yes, that who went, went through, through that. Yeah. conversion therapy. Yes. Didn't Horrible. stick. No. However. It tends to not stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one thing I noticed as I was coming out to my CrossFit friends there was never any negative response. It was hugs. Yeah. It was oh my god, I'm so proud of you. Um, God, and that felt so good. Thank you. All of my friends who I've come out to, thank you for being so wonderful. I I wasn't expecting good reactions. And so it was amazing. You guys have all been beautiful people to me. Thank you. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Um, but then we're gonna next time we're gonna talk about coming out to your parents, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, that's a big ongoing deal. Yeah. There's also coming out to my brothers, coming right. out to my kids, which is actually a fantastic story. My kids are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's gonna be good. That'll be a good one. 
Um, but did you want to talk about uh, our, our little uh, our adoption. journey into a journey adop- into into second dog adoption? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we decided that today's uh, topic was a little kind heavy. of somber, a little heavy, and so anytime it gets too heavy, we want to make sure we lighten it up a little bit. So you know, when you're done listening, you're smiling. Yeah, and you're not, not wanting to like slit your wrists or anything. Right, right, right. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't. So we have this dog, Eddie. We've had him for, I don't know, six months or so. He's almost a year old. And we've decided that Eddie needs a companion, a buddy buddy to hang out with. He needs a friend. And so we've been looking on Pet Finder. And so we found this dog um, that was going to be at this adoption event. This dog's name was Brax. Very cute. Like three-year-old neutered terrier mix, mm-hmm. and so we're super excited to to meet Brax, and we and we and it, didn't it say that it was Brax was was fine around other dogs? I think they said they took him out in, in the park and they had a good outing, and I don't remember. They didn't say he was bad with dogs. I'm just going to say that they, that was not. They didn't say he was like a rabid little. <laughs> freaky. No, we'll get to that. You're killing the story, Mary. <laughs> so we load up the car. Uh, load up the car. Load up the car. You, me, and Eddie. Mm-hmm, me, you, and Eddie. <laughs> and all our travel gear. Well, his leash. Okay. All right. <laughs> and my wallet. And we go to PetSmart to meet Brax. And so we're waiting in line. We got there early so we could be one of what the first. What a waste of time that turned out to be. Uh, it's a good story to tell. <laughs> we got the story. We got the story. So we're waiting in line and they bring Brax in. We see, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think that's him. And they kind of go down an aisle separate from us and they go around the back. And a different couple is going to go meet Brax first because they were first on the list. And so we're standing there going like, oh my God, I hope that they're not approved or something because we really want Brax. He's so cute. This is going to be great. Mm -hmm. So they do their time (laughs) and then it's our turn. And so we have Eddie with us because of course we want Eddie to meet whatever dog we're going to bring into the home. And Eddie is chill around all dogs. Eddie is like man and dog's best friend. He's just the happiest. He loves everyone. So we go walking up to Brax and Eddie is just calm and wagging his tail and is like, oh, hey, let's meet. And we get, you know, probably six feet away from Brax and Brax turns into like this crazy (laughs) Tasmanian devil honey badger, like (laughs) all the horrible creatures in the Uh world. And he's like, he's snarling, he's baring his teeth and he's like lunging at the end of the leash. And Eddie's just sort of wagging his tail. He's like, as long as I get to still sniff your crotch, we're cool. Mm -hmm. That's all he cares about. Yeah, totally. And then we're like, well, maybe, you know, just first impressions are are not great. Uh So we try again. And every time Eddie gets anywhere near Brax, Brax like just flips the hell out. Can't handle it. So not a good fit. No, not a good fit at all. Brax is like, Eddie, if you take one step closer, I'm going to cut you. (laughs) So help me if if you lesbians take me home with you and try to put me in your home, I will kill Eddie in his sleep. I'll kill you in your sleep. (laughs) That was Brax's attitude. Nobody's safe around Brax. No one's safe around Brax. So we were just trying to get away from Brax at this point, but we had other (laughs) things to buy at the store Uh and we bump into Brax again. bumping into Brax and Brax is like losing his shit on Eddie again and Eddie's like wagging his tail I don't know why it doesn't Can't we be me. friends, dude? I know, I know. We were happy to see, though, as we were leaving, that the first couple who was checking out Brax, they were actually adopting him. I can't even figure that out. Kudos to them, because they, or should I say kujos to them, <laughs> because they're like, they see the interaction between Brax yeah, and Yeah, they saw Brax try to kill and, Eddie. And they still want They're like, we dog. love this dog. We love this dog. Come here, Brax. Come here. Like, we'll put a muzzle fangs. on you and take you to the dog <laughs> <And> park. <a laughs> <muzzle>. <laughs> we're going to muzzle you and love you forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know what? There's someone for everyone. But Brax was not for us. No. Not we'll keep all. trying. No yeah. rush. Yeah. Please cheer for us. Cheer for us, audience, in our quest for finding the perfect perfect it's, second dog. You know, it's tough up here in Northern Virginia because a lot of people live in apartments and condos and they want a smaller dog. Yeah. 
And so a lot of times you have to adopt them right off a van. Like yeah. You don't even get to meet the dog first. Yeah, that was where Eddie came insane. from. Eddie came from Georgia somewhere and we didn't, we never met him. We just went and like, oh. and he was small. He was a puppy, but he was, he was well-natured even. That's true. Then. He was friendly. Yeah. We yeah. could tell he was friendly. He was no Brax. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's no. for sure. Thankfully, not many dogs fit that description. Yeah. Is that scary? Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I guess our time is up. All right. So that's it for now. Remember, steer clear of cults because they are no joke. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Music provided by Purple Planet at purple-planet.com.